walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. The uh <laughs> the hardest part of the ring. By the way, quick thing. <laughs> I uh, occasionally at work, I will give like presentations on things. Um, and oftentimes, you know, it's, it's through like a um, it's like a telecon thing. You know, there might be other uh, stakeholders that uh, I've never met. So, of course, I have to introduce myself. And I can't tell you how many times I've almost <laughs> introduced myself. That's the hardest part of the ring. That would be a hard part to that would be that'd be a hard thing to explain. I'd have to I'd have to link them to my podcast. They and then I'd be fired and it'd be a whole thing. But that being said, it's a safe space here. So, yes, I am the hardest part of the ring. How is everybody doing today on this lovely, lovely whatever day you're watching or listening to this? Uh, it's cold as tits. Fuck me and my tight butthole, dude. I'm a chilly boy, let me tell you. Here in Virginia, we get a lot of... Not not to kick it off red hot with weather talk, but... Man, we get... We have a very mild... Uh, what do you call it? Climate here in Virginia. Whenever it peaks below or above that... That medium, you know, 40 to 80 range. Oh, daddy, do I turn into a pussy? But it may be cold outside, but it's red hot. Sorry, I'm in a weird mood today. It's red, it's red hot in jolly old England in June of 2016. That's right. Progress wrestling chapters 31 and 32 pairing these chapters together as they are a mere week apart uh chapter 31 coming from manchester chapter 32 coming from the usual london england in the electric ballroom holy solely guacamole what a what a collection of shows here as far as like a i mean a one-two punch here. I mean, this was just because a lot of times he's like Manchester shows, which, by the way, I mean, you know, they're I don't want to say they're B shows, but like it's definitely a newer uh, audience for them. I guess not. I guess it's, it's a lot of 
bleed over, but you typically get the bigger, bigger shows in the ballroom in London. But here in Manchester, they put on a huge show. By the way, I'm going to list the cards off in the description. And um, I'm not going to rattle them off here because we'll pretty much touch on everything, you know, some more than others. But we'll give uh, we'll give everything at least a little poke and a tweedle. You know what I'm saying? So um, but basically what I'm saying here is that this from top to bottom, I mean, in ring. I mean, some of the best stuff that I've seen from progress up to this point, we got a lot of things happening, major story beats. We got, you know, maybe a title change here or there. Who knows? We got blood feuds. We got the Atlas Championship uh, tournament continuing. We got the tag team titles being defended. We got the women's division cooking. The Progress World Championship. I'm not even going to say what happens because there's... Whew, but, um, I mean, just an overall just outstanding matches from top to bottom. And I'm looking forward to uh, talking about it here, but we should take a step back. Where are we in progress? Well, we are fresh off the heels off of the super strong style 16 tournament that happened at the last chapter. It was a two night event chapter 30, by the way, check it out in the archives. Actually, you would check out all of these episodes in the archives. If you, you might be jumping in cold. You're like, I don't really know a lot about progress. I've heard of it. I'm not really familiar with what it is or what happens there. Well, guess what? Neither am I. So I'm walking through this in real time, just as people in 2016 were at this point. So if you would like to hear me recap and react to all of the tomfoolery that progress brings us, go to apronbump.com. You can find all of my full episodes there as you can find them wherever you listen to podcasts, YouTube as well. But you can go to apronbump.com and you can filter down at the on the episodes tab at the top. You can filter down to whatever promotion or era you'd like to hear me recap. I do a lot of stuff, uh, lots of different eras, decades, promotions, big and small, all that stuff. But you can select Progress Wrestling and that'll filter you down to all of the chronological reviews that I've done of each chapter, starting from chapter one, every single chapter up to now, which is chapter 31, 32. It's been a good old time. It's 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 uh it's an alternative, and uh, you know today we're living. We're, it seems like the wrestling alternatives are leaving us. So um, it's it's always a pleasure to kind of go back and see a lot of you know some very familiar faces, some new faces that I've grown to love, which we're going to talk about a lot about in this show. So binge away. It's a good time. Discover something new. And while I'm just plugging away at Apron and Bump on all the social medias, like review review review. Review, uh, comments, buzz the the sticker, hit the button, ring the bell, powder my speed bag, do all those things. But let's get into it, baby. I'm so chapter thirty one, and we're gonna kind of bounce back and forth. But there's threads that kind of interweave throughout these chapters. Like I said, they're only a week apart, so for all intents and purposes, this is like a two night event. But night one, which is chapter thirty one. Like I said, comes from Manchester, England, and it occurs on June 19th, 2016. And chapter 32, night two, occurs on June 26th from London, England. So I might refer to things as night one and night two, but that's where we're at if I do that. So that being said, I mean, I brought up all, you know, the world title, the tag title, the women's title that's imminent. 
the blood feuds, a lot of championships, a lot of things on the line on these chapters. Well, we got something new being defended here. The Smash Wrestling Championship being defended here on night two. You might be asking, hardest part of the ring, what the fuck is Smash Wrestling? Well, let me tell you, aggressive listener. Smash Wrestling is a Toronto-based independent wrestling promotion. Lots of big stars have gone through there. But one star who is the current champion here in 2016 and who is defending the title in an open challenge is one Johnny Gargano. The current Smash Wrestling champion has held the title for over 470 days. Pretty dominant, seemingly. And he's here for an open challenge. I guess there's, you know, interpromotional cahoots between uh, Progress and Smash Wrestling. So Progress, you can see at this point how how the the company is growing, how they're kind of interweaving throughout the entire world. Smash Wrestling Championship being defended here by Johnny Gargano. Open challenge. And just for context... June of 2016, which is where we're at. This match here happens after, like, like a week after uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, which, if you remember, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa had a match in the opening round, which was phenomenal. It was kind of like each of their coming out parties. Like DIY was a thing at this point. So when they faced each other in the cruiserweight classic, it was like a big deal. And it ended up being um, a phenomenal match. It wasn't like super long, but it's, it's one of the best like sub 15 minute matches you ever see. So go check that out, by the way, if you haven't check out the whole tournament, but just, just for context, this isn't just like, you know, plucky Johnny Gargano wrestling in bingo halls in Cleveland. No, he's already in WWE, like making him, making a pretty big name for himself. So, Open challenge here. Who answers the open challenge, you might ask? None other than Mark Calloway. No, Mark Haskins accepts the challenge here. Huge pop. And look, again, if you're coming into those colds, you haven't listened to my prior episodes, you might be thinking Mark Haskins, is he, is he a big deal? You might not, you might not even know who he is. I mean, he's been in Ring of Honor and stuff, but he's kind of had a stop and go career. Um, but Mark Haskins and I've I've gushed over Mark Haskins. It's seemingly every episode I do. He's one of those. I, I'm I'm fascinated by the ascent of Mark Haskins because it's not just me who's gushing over him. Like the progress audience, just the organic like support that he's garnered because he came into progress very early on like some of the first like the first 10 chapters he was uh what was his nickname he was the uh not, not the show stealer the star the star attraction was his nickname and uh he was very when i first saw him i was like oh, i was kind of like kmart adam cole <laughs> like that's kind of and it's funny because they actually had a, had a match in the early chapters but um, but that's what he was like. He wasn't particularly exciting in the ring. Um, like he was fine, but he didn't really stand out to me. He was fine on the mic. But like I said, like nothing he was doing was really like putting him, you know, outside of the pack of the other people. Right. And somewhere down the line, 
he transformed his his persona, his gimmick, whatever you want to call it, from this like charismatic, cocky, arrogant heel. And he slowly like evolved. He like got rid of the the colorful tights. Now he just wrestles in black tights, black boots, black kick pads. He just became a no bullshit. Just I mean, he has seemingly he seems to have some sort of martial arts experience or jujitsu or Muay Thai or whatever the hell it is, because his style in the ring is so fun to watch, dude. He the, the, the kicks who I don't know who I would compare him to. Honestly, think of like. I want to say Brian Danielson, but it's not exactly the same thing. He's like a, a, a taller, rangier version. He's not even that tall, really. He just, he's kind of just like, like a rangier version of Brian Danielson. You know what I mean? In that, you know, it's a lot of submissions, a lot of like really intricate counters, but there's also really brutal kicks and strikes and with a little bit of high flying in there. So he's become, he's become such a, a dynamic performer and so fun to watch. And I feel like other companies out there should should study his rise because this shows that you can get over with in ring <laughs> like everybody, everybody's like in this mindset where it's like, oh, you need. And, and by the way, it is true. You like you need a character, right? The, the crowd needs something to latch on to to kind of identify you among anybody else. But sometimes that identity can just be ass kicker. You know what I mean? It can just be a guy that goes in the ring and wrestles very well. Not everybody can pull it off, but Mark Haskins has just that natural charisma where it's not charisma on the mic that that is leading to his success. But it's the charisma in the ring, just the no nonsense kind of fighting style that I guess people were clamoring for at the time. So. It just, it just shows that you can get over you, just knowing your audience and what they want is what you need to get over. And I feel like that's perfectly represented with Mark Haskins here. Not to mention storyline wise, he's built a lot of, um, I guess, in, in some ways, some sympathy because I brought up the super strong style 16 tournament that happened at the last chapter. Mark Haskins won his opening match, but for night two, he was pulled from the tournament because I guess in night one, he collapsed due to dehydration and exhaustion and wasn't able to compete. So he kind of got the shit end of the stick there. So Mark Haskins, no, that being so with that context, you know, Mark Haskins, he got screwed out of the tournament by his body, I guess. So now he comes out here to challenge for a title. So the crowd, probably one of the biggest pops of either of these two chapters is Mark Haskins coming out to take on Johnny Gargano. And if you know these two guys, you know, we're in for a treat. It was like, uh, I don't want to say a dream match, but it was I was excited for this one. And it definitely uh, met my expectations for sure. I mean, it's kind of weird starting out here with maybe my match of the month here. And I'll say this because like the ending stretch of this match, I mean, you got all the counters, the. Like it was it was it was too much for me to take notes on because, you know, Mark Haskins would like try to lock in an arm bar and then Johnny would slide out and then, you know, Haskins would throw a clothesline and Johnny would like seamlessly jump to the apron and hit his slingshot spear. But then Haskins would catch him in the spear and lock in an arm. A lot of that. So it was just a joy to watch just from it just felt like a like a legit struggle, which if you listen to me, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So 
You got, you got Johnny throwing out the long dart, the super kicks, the intensity. There's a moment where both guys are like on their knees in the middle of the ring, throwing elbows. The crowd's super into it. Haskins does this fucking like you're spinning uranagi and then floats over in one motion into an arm bar. It is just making me all kinds of turgid, making the pants tighter watching this. Um, but the thing that I love about this match here. And again, hearkening back to a previous chapter, uh, a few months ago, Mark Haskins wrestled in progress. He wrestled Tommaso Ciampa, which, of course, is the DIY brother of Johnny Gargano, even to this day. In that Ciampa-Haskins match, Ciampa came in with a lot of fanfare, like he was relatively new to progress. People were happy to see him, you know, guy coming in from another country that we've seen on our TV. Oh, it's fun. But Haskins... And this just kind of solidifies the point I was making earlier about Haskins. Haskins represents progress. He represents the company. He represents the style, the British strong style. The crowd loves him. There's just an innate support for this man. So, and it's unpenetrable no matter who he's facing, whether it's Champa or Gargano, even though they're big stars. In that Champa match, Champa like turned heel mid match, and it's still unclear to me if that was the intention because the crowd is so stalwart to Mark Haskins that they're not gonna cheer the other guy. So Champa had to adjust his kind of persona mid match and adjust the flow of the match by using, you know, heel tactics, you know, talking shit to the crowd, and Johnny Gargano does the same thing here. Mind you, this is not, you know, the way Johnny Gargano. Like I said, we're like in the midst of the Cruiserweight Classic, the DIY stuff. Johnny is the babyface of all babyfaces in the eyes of the global audience watching him. But even Gargano here has to turn heel, essentially, mid-match in response to the... Because the crowd's chanting Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Wrestling when he comes out. But then Mark Haskins comes out second, and then all of a sudden we're, we're all, we're Team Haskins. It's, 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 hard, it's so hard to build like a legitimate baby face like this, which is why I'm so fascinated by it. So they like the match starts and they're brawling on the outside. Johnny Gargano is like kind of trying to play to the progress audience because it could be a little bit lighthearted and comedic at times. So Johnny's like he like grabs a chair and sits it on the floor, sets Haskins on the floor. He like runs around the ring and chops him. It's all kind of like tongue in cheek. Like in the ring, Haskins is like trying to get up. He's like leaning in between the ropes and Johnny like spanks him. You know what? Like just like it's like comedy, right? But the crowd does not go with it. They boo him. There's it's just ap maybe apathy even. And then it's at this point where Johnny like completely changes his demeanor. He he slaps Haskins. This the facials on Johnny Guard. He's like, all right, I'm done fucking around. And then, you know, Haskins fights back, locks in the stretch muffler. Gargano gets to the ropes and is able to hit the one final beat DDT for a two count. Then Gargano, he spits in the face of Haskins and gives him a rolling elbow. But then Haskins counters the next move and spits in Johnny's face and then gives him an elbow. So it gives him a little receipt. So just beautiful storytelling throughout this entire match. 
Um, then you get the ending stretch, when I, which I kind of touched on in the beginning. Ultimately, counter, 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 counter. But ultimately, Haskins is able to lock in the bridging arm bar for the tap out. So Johnny Gargano taps out. We have a new Smash Wrestling champion, Mark Haskins. Now, to me, and probably to a lot of people listening, you might be thinking, Smash Wrestling, who gives a fuck? Well, why don't you ask the Progress audience and Glenn Joseph on commentary? Let's see how they felt about this. The fucking pop was it's it's like he just won the world title at WrestleMania, like insane, dude. Such a fun moment. Haskins celebrates in the crowd, which is just an awesome visual. But Johnny grabs the belt from him, starts to walk away and but eventually comes back to the ring and he cuts a promo and he's like, well, man, you guys are really nice to me in the beginning. You were doing Johnny wrestling, Johnny wrestling. But then you were really mean to me. It was like kind of funny. Um, so he, he pretty much turns the crowd back in his support, says that progress wrestling was a bucket list of his because, I mean, he's pretty much just wrapping up all of his independent dates, I suppose, because he's about to become full time WWE. So he's like, you know, acknowledging their chance and all that stuff, but ends up being a pretty feel good moment. Hands Haskins the belt. They shake hands. And then he's on his way. So all in all. This is probably I might I might change my mind throughout the course of this podcast, but this might be my match of the the weekend here. So just awesome stuff. And I'm just looking forward to see because I've heard Haskins has had a, a pretty stop and go run. It has had some pretty bad luck. So hopefully I'm not going to get bit in the ass by getting invested in this guy, but I'm sure I will. But folks. We have. The Atlas Championship Tournament to talk about. Big lads wrestling. So if you're unfamiliar with the Atlas championship, it is a championship designated for people 205 pounds and above, which I've said before, I think the weight limit should be more. But as of right now, I mean, Europe's kind of a cruiserweight territory. So we're just um, encouraging big men to fight each other and slap their meat and all that stuff, which we all, which we like here at the apron bump. So, we have a few, so the, the Atlas Championship, so it's it's four, so it's two blocks of four people. Block A, you got Easton Reese, Dave Mastiff, T-Bone, and Big Daddy Walter. Block B, you got Big Damo, Rampage Brown, Joe Coffey, and Michael Dante. Now, this being said, there was... Like it was, there was a lot of tomfoolery, and it even like it was. I'm not even really sure where we stand in the standings here. I'm gonna be perfectly honest. 
it was very confusing how because there were some people injured, some people sick. So we have a couple of like we have a couple of tag team matches, which this is a round robin tournament. So I'm honestly like <laughs> and you got some subs, you got some some people that aren't in the tournament being in these matches. Oh, it's it's all weird, but we'll get into it. So Atlas rules, I should also say 15 minute time limit. Uh, the winner of a match gets two points. If it's if it's a time limit draw, each each person gets one point. And obviously, if you lose, you get zero. So night one, the Atlas tournament block B match was intended to be Michael Dante and Rampage Brown versus Big Damo and Joe Coffey. However, I guess Mastiff is out with the flu. So replacing Michael Dante is Mikey Whiplash, who is not in the tournament. In fact, he is embroiled in a feud with Michael Dante's partner, Tommy End. It's a lot of webs to keep track of, I know. But Mikey Whiplash comes out, tries to cut a promo, but he's not supposed to be in this match, by the way. I forget what the intention was, but he just comes out. He says, hey, I'm in, I'm in this match. And then he's in the match. Uh, the crowd heckles the shit out of him. Nobody likes Mikey Whiplash. He's coming out here in his bunny mask. Like, if you're not familiar with Mikey Whiplash, listen to his theme music. this music going it's very eerie it's very uncomfortable you can kind of feel it down your spine a little bit and then the man comes out so i'm gonna try to paint a picture for you comes out in a bunny mask like a like a demented rabbit of sorts he's got thigh highs he's got the tights he takes off the mask there's face paint underneath of it he's a very uncomfortable looking fella <laughs> um then he tries to cut a promo crowd tackling him yada 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 match gets underway mikey whiplash who is teaming with rampage brown wants no part of this so it's essentially a handicap match so it's like why is mikey in this i don't know maybe he's just trying to fuck over rampage brown i guess i don't know but this allows the the numbers game allows demo and joe coffee to get the win with a uh, you know, demo pops up rampage coffee catches him with a European uppercut. 
Damo follows up with a senton, so it's kind of a bing, bang, boom combination there. And Damo and Joe Coffey get the win, so I guess they each get two points. So that's where we're at. So, but I'll put it on the screen, maybe. So that's where we're at with that match. And then night two, we have another tag team match within the Atlas title round robin tournament. Block A. By the way, in that previous match, I, I can't remember. So in this match, it was intended to be T-Bone and Dave Mastiff versus Big Daddy Walter and Easton Reese. However, Mastiff is out with the flu, which, by the way, I, I might have said Dante had the flu earlier. I, Mastiff has the flu. Dante was, I think it was like travel issues or something. Uh, Mastiff has the flu. So his origin stablemate, Zach Gibson, takes a spot in this match. So it's T-Bone and Zach Gibson versus Walter and Easton Reese. All right, look, let's talk about I got I got a lot of things to say about each of these four gentlemen. T-Bone can can fuck right off. He's coming out to Nigel McGuinness's music, which is just sacrilege, in my opinion. Easton Reese. Look, I don't like Easton Reese for two reasons. First reason. It's a stupid fucking name. It, it feels like an unfinished name. You know what I mean? It, 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 feels, it feels undercooked, his name. Like, it feels like it's not finished. Easton Reese. By the way, that's spelled I-E-S-T-Y-N. Reese spelled R-E-E-S, which none of this feels right. So fuck this guy for that reason. Um, also, you know what his nickname is? Easton Reese. The alpha male. I'm gonna Easton, if you're listening to this, I'm gonna tell you this right now, buddy. There's only one alpha male in wrestling. And he's gonna give you the pounce if you don't fucking lay off, all right? All right, Reese's pieces. Anyways, so fuck Easton Reese, fuck T-Bone. Uh Walter is you're never gonna hear me say fuck Walter. He's my main. May he he is my big daddy. You know what I'm saying? We got Walter with the titties here. Um, very different from not not very different from modern day Gunther. I mean, aesthetically, it's very different. But he's a uh, Walter. You know, because like he he's had a few appearances in progress up to this point, and in fact, I think he's borderline a jobber. I mean, he got his first win at Chapter Thirty, I believe after like four or five losses or something. So Walter is still very early days as well, but he's, I can see him in real time becoming that, that ring general. I can see him becoming what he is today. The longest reigning intercontinental champion. And he's here. Ch chop Walter is here. I'll just say that he is just, the crowd is getting with his chops. He's starting to feel like a monster and the crowd's getting behind him. He just he's he's building that presence in real time as I'm watching this. So that's a pleasure to watch. Probably the star of this match. If well, in ring, I would say, but ultimately the highlight of this match is Zach fucking Gibson, dude. Holy guacamole. This guy is tremendous. Zach Gibson has got some heat, brother. Nuclear, nuclear. My wife said my 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 wife hates when I say nuclear, nuclear heat. I mean, 
So in modern day times, you know, when it when like Dominic Mysterio or Don Callis tries to cut a promo, it's just buried in booze. And we get that here with Zach Gibson. Just a boy. Howdy. The crowd does not like this. He's, he's not a very nice man, I guess. Gibson keeps trying to he always does his spiel in the beginning where it's like, I'm Liverpool's number one. I'm working on my Liverpool accent, by the way. Scouse, I'm trying to become a Scouse here. Liverpool's number one. He wants to be progress's number one. And then Europe's number one, the world's number one. You know the deal, right? He does this before every match. The crowd eats it up in, in, in a negative way. Uh, he's like, I'm going to tell you what, I'm gonna, what the fuck was that accent? He's like, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to rip your arm behind your back and make, I'm going to make you tap out. He says what he's going to do. Um, I'm, I, I can feel myself being berated for my accent. <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, but all that to say, Zach Gibson is just, he's, he's a monster, probably the best heel in progress at this point. I would say, yeah, he's the number one heel in progress. I can say that pretty confidently. Um, the match itself, though, pretty fun. I loved, I mean, big lads wrestling. You're, you're never going to hear me complain about that. It kind of, this match represents, as all these kind of Atlas title matches, they, they know what they are, right? We want to see big strikes. We want to see meat slap, sweat fly, big guy do drop kick, clap, clap, clap. Let's throw each other with suplexes, show our strength. Love it. Love every second of it. Um, ultimately, Gibson, who is the smallest gentleman in this match, which is not, you know, it's, it's a pretty rare occurrence, honestly. Um, well, I should say Easton Reese has T-bone and a stalling vertical suplex. Zach Gibson, Zach Gibson comes from behind Reese, kicks him in the leg, rolls him up, stacks up Reese for the quick cheeky victory so Zach Gibson gets two points for his boy Dave Mastiff and T-Bone also gets two points I believe T-Bone's in the lead here because I think this is his second win in block A so so that's where we're at it's just just fun stuff fun character stuff here and you know Atlas title is I support it wholeheartedly big boys big boys we got one more uh, Atlas tournament deal here. So I guess this was, this is, this is night two now. We got Rampage Brown versus what was supposed to be Big Demo. But I guess in the first match that they had at night one, Demo had to get, I think they said like six staples on the back of his head. So he wasn't medically cleared to compete. So who takes his place? None other than Trent Seven. Making his he's he's wrestled in a tag team scenario with Mustache Mountain with Tyler Bate, but this is his debut singles match. And from my understanding, Trent Seven becomes a big deal here in progress. So, and we can see why with this match because holy shit, this match was right up my alley. This match is just bombs, dude. It there is no we're not fuck the collar and elbow tie up, fuck the feeling out process. We're not building to a crescendo. We're just throwing hero Shimas at each other. I mean, Trent Seven bell rings, spinning back fist, 
dragon suplex. Rampage rolls out of the ring. Trent just spearheads him with a suicide dive, but Rampage blocks it with a forearm. Trent fights back, throws a chop. Rampage evades it. Trent's hand hits the post in the most sickening sound I've ever seen. Rampage gets the advantage. Trent fights back, eventually hits the suicide dive. We're back in the ring. There's chop battles. You chop me. I chop you. Fighting spirit. Suplex. Let me give you a German. Let me give you a dragon. Let me give you a, a, a suck me off. Let me get, just hits the mat. Pops up. Grab you. Throw you. Put you in the dirt. Knock your dick in the dirt type of match that daddy fucking likes. It's just super high energy, high pace. And from the from the opening bell at some point they're like taking turns suplexing each other and then they, they both just collapse at the same time they, they they fight their way back up trent hits another dragon suplex rampage comes back with a huge power bomb drives him through the ring trent kicks out rampage says i bet pile driver to trent seven for the win. So Rampage gets the win. He gets two points. So he's at three points, I believe. I, I believe everybody's like pretty close. So, you know, nobody's really running away with it at this point. But Rampage gets three points. I think ultimately it's going to be Rampage. If I had to guess, and I could be wrong, I would say because it's two blocks, the winner of each block faces in the finals. I would venture a guess that it's ultimately going to be Dave Mastiff versus Rampage because they're two of the progress originals. And um, Dave Mastiff is with the origin. The origin has heats. Rampage is a crowd favorite. He's a cult favorite. I think that's where we're going here. But that could be wrong. I mean, Walter's gaining steam. Joe Coffey's making an impact. He coming, he's coming out here with like the Iron Man mask and the music. So people love him too. So who knows? But my estimation is Mastiff versus Rampage. But we'll see. We'll see where we end up with that. Huh. Well, let's let's transition here from big meaty men to uh big beefy broads. <laughs> They're not beefy. They're not. Well, shut up, Kyle. We got the women here wrestling women's division so um at this point in progress is history there is not yet a progress women's championship however it has been announced um i believe it was at the last chapter maybe two chapters ago that uh the next natural progression series which is a single single elimination tournament that is going to be to decide the inaugural progress women's champion i'm not exactly sure when that uh tournament takes place I'm uh, I'm honestly surprised because we have a, a series of singles matches here. I'm surprised they, they weren't just tournament matches. Um, but that's something that's uh, imminent. But we have some personal uh, feuds here with the women that do have some crossover with some of the men here, which we'll get into. But we'll start off with night one. We got Pollyanna versus Dahlia Black. So these ladies have been feuding for a while. A lot of these matches have occurred on um, the Endeavor shows, which are kind of in between the chapters, the lower kind of their developmental type shows. 
that's where a lot of the women's uh, action has <laughs> occurred up to this point. But there has been some main chapter shit between these two. Um, they, were, they had a match, you know, a few months ago where um, Dahlia Black's boyfriend, I guess, TK Cooper, uh, he, he came in and just punched Pollyanna in the face and gave Dahlia the win. So there's a personal feud there. TK comes into play later. But these ladies hate each other. Pollyanna, Dahlia Black. Pollyanna's like the cult favorite of the crowd, the the top baby face, I would say, in progress, women's division. And Dahlia Black is just a really hateable lady. I'll just say that. I have other words I could use, but um, <laughs> we'll refrain for now. But it's so Pollyanna versus Dahlia Black. And the gimmick here is that if anybody interferes on either of their behalf, then both of them are fired. So like if somebody comes in and attacks Pollyanna, both Pollyanna and Dahlia Black are fired, which is a very interesting stipulation here. So I hear this and I'm like, immediately, I'm like, well, Ginny is totally interfering in this, right? Because Ginny, you might know her from NXT UK. I believe her and uh, Gunther are dating, married, something. I don't know. Um, but Ginny is just the biggest star in the women's division at this point. She is incredible, a great heel. And... My thought is that, well, she's, she doesn't like either of these women, so she's going to come in and interfere and get them both fired. And that's kind of what happens here. Um, but on the way there, we have a pretty intense fight, actually. I mean, Pollyanna's doing the hair whips on Dahlia Black and like the hair is on the mat, you can see. So there's um, it's a pretty good. I mean, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a pretty intense fight. Pollyanna does this like really sick roll through into a hammerlock. Koji clutch of sorts. I don't know. She tied her up like a pretzel. It was very, very slick. Um, but they're fighting in the ring, and then we hear Ginny's music play, naturally. So Ginny comes out, and everybody's thinking the same thing. Oh, she's gonna interfere and get both these women fired. Pollyanna is begging the ref not to ring the bell no matter what she does. Ginny approaches the ring. And uh Jim Smallman, who was the co-owner of Progress and also the ring announcer. Says, whoa, 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 Jenny. If you get it, if you get, I, I, I see through your shenanigans. If you interfere in this match, well, you, my dear lady, will be fired as well. So Jenny's like, well, fuck. And so she just, <laughs> just walks away. Um, so then it just leaves Pollyanna and Dahlia Black to finish their match. Black hits a pretty, uh, sick combo, a couple kicks, a knee to the face, Meteora. Goes up to the top rope. Polly, Anna, stops her. Hits the, uh, what she calls the pollinator, which is funny, which is like an angel's wings face buster type of move. Um, for a two count, Dahlia Black comes back with a rope hung DDT for a two count. But ultimately, Polly Anna is able to string together some moves. Hits a gut buster on the top. Like a like an avalanche, like she has Dahlia on her on her shoulders, drops down, drops Dahlia on the top turnbuckle. So Dahlia is laid across the corner ropes. Pollyanna from the top hits a stomp, which looks gnarly. Hits an Elisha Express, which you know they're running knees to the back. Hits a dude buster pile driver and gets the win. So Pollyanna gets the win here in a uh, pretty decent match. And, you know, straight, you know, kind of branching off of this feud. 
because Dahlia's man's is, is TK Cooper, and their whole thing is that they come to the ring, they make out a lot, they're obnoxious, they have sex in the middle of the ring, it's a whole thing, right? But to to help to even the odds, someone comes to the aid of Pollyanna to to you know neutralize TK Cooper of sorts. None other than everybody's favorite, Jack Sexsmith. So that's that's a match that we have here on night two. We got Jack Sexsmith versus TK Cooper. So I when I when I see Jack Sexsmith on the card, I kind of roll my eyes because he's very like I'll put it this way. He he comes out with a shirt that says sexually frivolous, morally ambiguous. So take that as you will. He comes out with a sex doll. The sex doll uh, fillets some of the crowd members. Comes out to uh, I Touch Myself by uh, Divinals. So that's his thing. <laughs> and a lot of, and all the matches I've seen from him, I mean, they're riddled with comedy. His tights will come down. He'll give the guy a stink face. He'll molest Jim Smump. Like, he does all that stuff, right? I was pleasantly surprised with how awesome this match was. I actually thought this was a damn good match. I mean, TK Cooper, who if you're not familiar with TK Cooper, think uh, his, his aesthetics remind me of TJP a little bit. TJ Perkins. He's, he's New Zealand. I know, I know TJP isn't, he's Filipino, but it's a fine line. You know what I mean? Um, and I say that as a Filipino, by the way, but TK Cooper, he's kind of got that pretty boy look, but this is a pretty hard hitting match here. TK starts off with a Pearl Harbor job um, to Jack Sexsmith at the bell. Sexsmith fights back, hits a dive to the outside, throws him in the ring, hits a knee drop from the top rope. So all like immediately it's established that Jack Sexsmith is uh, not here for games. Well, other than, you know, maybe pulling out Mr. Kako. Mr. Kako, everybody. So we're all familiar with Mr. Sako, right? You know, Mick Foley, he'll pull out a sock and put it on his hand. And he'll uh, he'll lock in the paralyzing hold on his opponents with this sock. Mr. Kako. No, no, why don't you all take a guess on what Mr. Kako is, if you haven't listened to a previous episode. Mr. Kako. So Jack Sussmith, Jack Sexsmith reaches into his tights, pulls out a... Condom, is it used? Is it unused? It's unclear. Uh, looks pretty worn to me. But he he puts the condom on his hand. But Dahlia Black stops him from doing anything with it. And uh, I'm reading my notes. And uh, I was doing speak to text for these notes. And my Siri heard me say, Mr. Taco. Instead of Mr. Kako, which I think would be a uh, a good female alternative for this maneuver. But Dahlia stops Mr. Kako from using his cock. I don't know. It's a whole thing. But the match, the ending stretch here gets pretty, pretty good. Um, Jack Sexsmith with a sunset powerbomb. You know, Dahlia's getting involved, slapping Jack Sexsmith through the ropes. Distracting him on the outside, which allows TK Cooper to hit a baseball slide on him. And of course, she she grabbed the condom from him originally to uh, stop it from going down the gullet of TK. 
Uh, put egg on her face because Sexsmith was prepared. He came out here with two cockos. The first was from the front of his tights, and the second was from the back of his tights. Among other things. So he pulls out his second cocko. That's a real note. That was a real note that I took. There's a second cocko in his ass is something that I typed with my hands. Um, but TK kind of uh, he fights back. Hits the most beautiful scissor kick I've ever seen in my life, I would think. That, that caught me really off guard. It looked brutal. But the second Kako is able to cock TK, I guess. But as Sexsmith is beating on TK Cooper, at some point the ref takes a tumble. They run into the ref. Ref's down. And then Travis Banks slides in. Gives Jack Sexsmith a brain buster, slides out of the ring. TK Cooper hits him with a punch to the back of the head, gets the pin. So TK Cooper wins, and his New Zealand brethren, Travis Banks, has debuted in Progress Wrestling. So big debut here. I know Travis Banks becomes pretty significant in the company as well. Uh, for his time that he's active. <laughs> and uh, the crowd isn't familiar with him at this point. There's a lot of who are you chants, uh, unless it has another meaning that you, you blokes know that I don't. But So that's a thing that happens. So we got a new tag team here, I guess, Travis Banks and uh, TK Cooper. But I brought up that match because it's kind of a branch off of the Pollyanna Dahlia Black feud. But sticking with the women here, we got a blood feud on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. In night two, we got Jenny taking on Laura DiMatteo, who formerly was known as Elizabeth, who was the, uh, uh, the assistant, I guess, of Jenny. She was, she was her bitch boy. Bitch girl? Bitch girl. And, uh, I mean, Ginny abused her. She made her do things she didn't want to. She treated her as a subhuman. And at some point, Elizabeth just wasn't taking it anymore. Rebelled against Ginny. Attacked her. Cost her matches. All that stuff. And, uh... Shedded her... her uh, I don't know if this is PC to say anymore. But shedded her slave name, I guess, of sorts. No longer Elizabeth is now going by her real name, I guess, the Laura DiMatteo. And um, this, like, this is a story that's been playing out a lot on Endeavor, but a little bit on the chapters as well. And the crowd is super into this, dude. Boiling hot for this feud. And I think like the heat, I mean, it's, like, it's, a, it's a, simple, a relatively simple story. Let's just say it. I mean, the evil boss abusing the whatever you want to call her, the employee, I guess. Like, you know, it's 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 a very um, relatable story. It's an easy one to tell and one that's being told pretty well. I also think there's a lot of other variables as to why this is so hot. Because, I mean, the match, I mean, it's just the crowd. Before they even lock up, the crowd is on their feet. Laura hits a suicide dive on the Ginny, like, through the chairs ringside. So the wrestlers are fired up. The crowd's fired up. 
and they go on to have a you know a match but when i was saying and then you know they go on to to continue that heat but we also got to take into account where we are in the timeline here june of 2016 so this show occurs roughly two months after the divas title was thrown away roughly two months after they introduced the women's title to replace the divas title why that is significant is because this is kind of the beginning periods of the women's revolution quote unquote in the wwe you got your charlotte sasha becky bailey like this is all very current at this point the nxt women's divisions on fire um the women's division and main roster is starting to get more time, more spotlight. There's just an overall groundswell for women's wrestling in the, in the entire world, really. So people see this in WWE and obviously are going to be hungry for this. The progress audience is for this in their country, their city. And this is what we're getting here. We're getting a, a good feud, a feud that's gotten time and effort. So the crowd is just wholly supporting this. and I can't blame them. But um, I will say, though, the match itself, I think at some point, Laura, Laura DiMatteo, I think she might have gotten her bell rung at some point because it's a little botchy. I mean, she she slips on a top rope Frankensteiner twice. You know, the first time she just falls to the mat. The second time she like eventually fights and hits it. Um, but there's there's a lot of mistiming. Unfortunately, there's a. um. And then the finish is kind of wonky, too. I mean, on the way there, though, I mean, Jenny hits a nice styles clash for a two count. Laura comes back with a code breaker backstabber combo for a two count. Jenny hits an X factor face buster for a two count. The crowd is biting on every near fall, by the way. So it's a very well done match, I guess, on the way to the finish. But so Jenny's finisher, I believe. So she sets up her opponent kind of like gold dust does for the, what does he call it? The golden globes when he kicks them in the balls. So Laura's kind of like got her legs in the corner, like in between the second and third ropes. So she's stuck there. And I believe Ginny goes for like a code breaker type of deal. Jawbreaker of sorts. But Laura holds on to the top rope. Ginny falls to the mat. Laura Rolls out of the corner into a roll-up jackknife type of pin for the win out of nowhere. It looked it looked a little wonky, but the crowd popped regardless. So maybe it doesn't matter. But so Laura De Mateo, she beats her evil boss out of nowhere. But Ginny is not happy with this. She will not take any of this. Attacks her after the bell, lays her out, leaves. Or starts to leave, and then Laura grabs a mic as she's on the stage, as Jenny's on the stage, says, This is an over. All right. <clears throat> this, is, this is my Italian accent, by the way, everybody, because Laura DiMatteo is Italian. <clears throat> she says, <laughs> She says, This is not over. This, that's just Irish. What do, what do Italians say like? Frank, help me out. He's. This is not over. You are going to have to kill me. Uh, that's whatever. She, she says this is not over. You're going to have to kill me. So the story's is uh, evidently still going. And like I said, this was not a tournament match for the title. 
I would guess eventually they'll meet again in the tournament, whether it's in the finals or otherwise. So the story's red hot. The match is pretty good for the most part, um, barring some, you know, sloppiness. But so good stuff here with the women's divisions cooking. I, mean, I know a lot of the major stars today come through progress, so it'll be a fun thing to keep, a, keep track of. So, But while we're just talking about championships, how's about we talk about the progress tag team shields? That's right. We don't have belts yet still. These fucking assholes are carrying around two halves of a shield. <laughs> uh, the London Riots. The, uh, the new progress champions. They won it at chapter 30, night one are here defending the progress titles, the tag team titles against the Dazzler team, the team of Daryl Allen and Earl Black Jr. And you're wondering, by the way, I'm laughing reading this because of the Dazzler's entrance here. Now, I'm going to play you a clip of their, so they, the Dazzlers come out, you know, both of them, they, Raise their hands up in the air, which is a common thing, right? When somebody makes their entrance. Yeah, they're proud of themselves. I'm going to play the entirety of their entrance. Not, not, not the entirety of their entrance, just the portion where they are standing still on the stage with both of their hands up. I'm going to play just don't fast forward. Don't hit the plus 15 gimmick. I know. I know that's what you guys do. Don't do it. I want you to sit in it, sit in it. Just let it engulf you. Even if you're just listening, just know that nothing is happening. Just know that these guys are just standing on the stage with their hands up in the air. Let's hit play on this bad boy. I think my humor is broken. Maybe I'm the only one that finds this funny. Because <laughs> so you see in the ring, Jim Smallman, who's the ring announcer, and he's like, he's just throwing his hands up in the air like, well, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. <laughs> the people, 
Because they make that the stage, there's like people set up on the stage. So everybody's just like uncomfortably looking at them. Uh, it's good shit, pal. So immediately I'm a Dazzler team, Mark. Um, but they're going for the tag team titles here. The London Riots being the champions, of course. This match was fucking fun, dude. I mean, this was so the, the Dazzler team. They had a street fight at the last chapter that I was kind of iffy on just because I don't know. Maybe it's where it was in the show. It was very fatigued um, or I was very fatigued by the time I got to the match. The crowd was very fatigued. So they did the crowd didn't really respond to the match. But the Dazzlers got a chance to shine here. And I am a big Dazzler. They're just great shitheads. Like they're, they're kind of smaller guys, I guess. But they're just like. They're punks like they're just assholes and um, their style kind of uh, plays off of that. And they got the London riots, of course, who are just like the. Think the APA, but better wrestlers, you know what I mean? Uh, they're just brawlers. Typically, they're brawlers. They're known for their brawling, their street fights, their punching, they're all that sh- all that shit, right? The power moves. But uh, it was very interesting because both James Davis, Rob Lynch the London riots, they take turns just wrestling <laughs> each of the dazzlers. They're, they're chain wrestling. They're, they're, they're reversing. They're rolling through hammer locks, headlocks, all this shit. It's very, very clean actually. So that was fun to see. It's also, I mean, cause I feel like the London riots have been facing the origin for five years at this point. So it is refreshing to see them fight another team, the, the origin and, the Sumerian Death Squad. It seems like those are the only teams they've faced for the past couple of years. So it was a refreshing um, set of opponents here for the London Riots. A couple fun sequences, double teams by the London Riots. They, you know, a boot to the right, boot to the left by both guys, senton. So it's very seamless double team combinations. They do brawl to the outside eventually, of course. <laughs> I think they actually make, make their way to the stage area, which is like an elevated stage with like stairs going up to it. One of the London riots just fucking shit cans one of the Dazzlers off the stage into the crowd. We get uh, we get my favorite spot in wrestling of all time. The assisted abdominal stretch. <laughs> the Dazzlers, I forget which Dazzler it is. I think it's Earl Black Jr. Has Rob Lynch in an abdominal stretch and he's reaching over to his Dazzler partner, Daryl Allen, and he's pulling him. You know the spot, right? So they do this a few times. The ref is like, hey, what, what's going on back here? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I got him in the hole. I'm not doing anything. So they do that a few times. And then <laughs> uh, Rob Lynch reverses the abdominal stretch, locks in Daryl Allen in the abdominal stretch. And then Earl Black Jr., who's on the apron, he's kind of like jawing with the fans, but he still has his arm reached out to help his partner. Rob Lynch grabs Earl's hand and Earl unbeknownst to him helps Rob Lynch do the assisted abdominal stretch. I can do a whole podcast on this move. I fucking love it. So just, just very fun stuff throughout this entire match. James Davis gets a hot tag. Uh, Finley rolls onto both guys. The second one, he does it like to Daryl onto Earl. Daryl Allen locks in his like Indian death lock submission on Rob Lynch, which he calls the Allen key, which is fun. But Lynch is able to fight out of it. Spears Allen for a two count. Lynch goes for a spiral tap, which is Big Bastard doing that was very impressive. But misses. Allen kicks him, hits a rolling cutter for a two count. But ultimately, the London Riots 
hit the pop-up spear for the win, which one of them throws the guy in the air and the other guy hits him with a spear on the way down, which looks sick. And that gives the London riots the win. They retain their titles in their first defense and uh, just a really fun match. And they only have one defense this month, but they do come out briefly for night two where it is announced that at chapter 33, they will be defending their progress tag titles against war machine, AKA the Viking experience, AKA the Viking Raiders, AKA whatever the fuck Hanson Rowe. You may know them today as Eric and Ivar, but man, 2016 war machine versus the London riot. Sign me the fuck up. Let's go hype for that. Should be a good time. And the London riots have been made at a point that they, they want to defend the titles against people from all, all sorts of promotions, uh, all the countries and all that stuff. And we're starting out here with a, uh, one of the most prominent U S independent tag teams of the time, uh, war machine. So that will be fun for sure. But, um, while we're talking about the tag team titles and the tag team division, I gotta give a shout out to another candidate for match of the weekend or match of the month. We got the Dunn brothers, the team of Pete Dunn and Damian Dunn versus FSU, the team of Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews. By the way, shout out Dunn brothers coffee. <laughs> I don't know if that's uh, is that just a Minnesota thing? Let me see. My wife's uh, her, the, her father's side of the family is from Minnesota, which is where this place originated. And they will, uh, I mean, their coffee is good, but they have some breakfast sandwiches that'll make you slap your mother's tits. They're so good. Holy shit. Uh, so shout out Don brothers sponsor me. Um, but no tit slapping in the, well, there might be a few. So we, <laughs> so the, the Dunn brothers, you know, Pearl Harbor job to the big. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of PHJs on this show to Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis. But FSU makes the hot comeback dual to dual topes to the outside. They do it once they do it twice. The crowd's chanting one more time. But Eddie Dennis, who is a big boy. He says he can't do it a third time. He's winded. But. Thank goodness. Mark Andrews has a Rey Mysterio mask in his trunks, hands it to Eddie Dennis, transcends him into Eddie Mysterio. So he's able to hit that third tope to the outside onto the Duns. So, <laughs> but uh, they, they pretty much maintain this pace through the entire match. It's just a very high energy uh, tag team match. Not a lot of tags being made, but whatever. Let's just have some fun spots. Let's have, let's make it an ROH scramble match, which is kind of what this is. Um, a lot of things happening, a lot, of, a lot of crazy spots. I'm going to do my best to paint the picture here. So Mark Andrews moonsaults from the apron to the outside onto Pete Dunn, turns it into a tornado DDT on the floor back in the ring. The Dunn's fight back. They like hand off Mark Andrews to Eddie Dennis in a reverse DDT position and they like kick Eddie in the knees to make him drop Mark on his head. You know, the Duns follow up on Eddie with 
uh, a lung one guy hits a lung blower, if the other guy hits a meteora. The Dunn's hit a like a Meltzer driver type move where Pete Dunn has Eddie in a tombstone position, and then Damien comes off the set springboards off the second rope and does like a spike tombstone deal. And then you have Mark Andrews hits Damien Dunn with a standing shooting. Like Damien is standing. Mark Andrews is standing. Mark hits a shooting star on the Damien. I don't know how this happened. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to describe it. That, that's what happened. Uh, FSU, they returned the favor by forcing Pete the tombstone Damien by kicking him in the knee. Double super kicks. People are flying all over the place. But ultimately, the Duns have a bit of a miscue. Damien accidentally hits Pete with a springboard lung blower. They dispatch of Pete Dunn to the outside. Mark Andrews in the ring hits a avalanche poison rana to Damian Dunn. And then Eddie hits the next stop driver with an assist from a double stomp from Mark Andrews. FSU gets the win over the Duns. Amazing match. The Duns seem to have some tension between each other after the match. I don't think this team's super long running, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, but I think they're literally just a team because they have the same last name, but FSU gets the win and, uh, just a fun match. You need, you need a match like this on the, on the card. Just a, just a bunch of, uh, crazy motherfuckers flying all over the place. So now we will talk about the progress world championship to close out here in a second. But before we get there, we got a blood feud on our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, we got Damon Moser. Versus the origin. Now, night one, Damon Moser comes out and says uh, that he wants Nathan Cruz. Now, for context, so the origin, which currently is a faction of Nathan Cruz, Zach Gibson, Dave Mastiff, and El Ligero. Originally, this faction was known as the Faceless. They had like the V for Vendetta masks and all that stuff. When they unveiled who they were, the original incarnation of this group was Nathan Cruz, Danny Garnell, and Damon Moser. But they kicked out Damon Moser in the first fucking segment. So Damon, who was a relative newcomer, he was in the Natural Progression series. He's an up-and-coming guy, but they kicked him out, and Damon Moser still holds a grudge, obviously. Why wouldn't you? So he wants Nathan Cruz, who's kind of the head of the snake. Also, he's was in that original incarnation of the group. So Damon is taking on Zach Gibson in this first night. Now, Zach Gibson was not a part of this group that kicked Damon out originally. So Damon's making it a point where he's like, I don't care about Zach Gibson. I want Nathan Cruz. I want to kill him. I want to sodomize him. All this stuff, right? I'm paraphrasing. Which brings out the origin. Here I am! Metallica plays. And um, Nathan Cruz comes out with Zach Gibson. Nathan's on the mic. He says... Moza, you're nobody. That's not how he speaks. Who is that? Yeah, nobody. Is that Scottish? I don't know. Um, but he basically says that, all right, Damon, if you can face me in a week, but in order for that to happen, you have to first beat my buddy Zach Gibson here. And um, Bob's your uncle. That's what happens. <laughs> Damon Moser gets the... 
So it's a it's a solid match, you know. Again, Gibson, nuclear heat, right from the onset, cuts his promo in the beginning. They get to the match. A lot of brawling on the outside, a lot of fighting, like in the chairs and throwing each other in the chairs and stuff. In the ring, Zach Gibson locks in the Shankly Gates submission. But Moser, who is in the submission, grabs Nathan Cruz, who is on the outside. And Cruz tries to get away from him, but in trying to get away from him, he like pulls Moser to the ropes, which allows Moser to grab the ropes, which is brilliant, brilliant stuff. So Gibson's pissed. He's like, hey, why, 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 why do you help him? You know, and Cruz is like, I don't know. And then Mo, as they're bickering back and forth, Moser is able to roll up Zach Gibson, get the quick one, two, three. So Damon Moser gets the win and he will face Nathan Cruz at the next show. But before, I mean, after the match, Zach attacks him after the bell. Cruz gets in chair shot to the face of Damon Moser. Tombstones him on a chair, spits in his face. More chair shots just levels him, dude. Leaves him lane and sets up their match. Their no disqualification match on night two. Gibson comes out with Nathan Cruz. It's no DQ. What are you going to do? And Gibson's like, well, actually, this match was not going to be no DQ at first. But Moser grabs the mic before Nathan comes out, says, hey, Jim Smallman, I want this no DQ. And Smallman's like, all right. And then Gibson comes out with Nathan. He's on the mic. He's like, no DQ. Are you having a laugh? Which made me laugh. Um, so I was having a laugh. But the match gets underway. Nathan Cruz versus Damon Moser, night two. Nate- Nathan Cruz rips off Moser's shirt that he came out with. He rips it off of Moser. And Nathan pulls his own tights down, sticks the shirt up his ass like a tail. And then... Uh, Moser gets his hand on this ch- gets his hands on the shirt and chokes Cruz with his lightly shat on shirt, which was a fun little moment. Um, but I mean, this is a brawl, a lot of crowd fighting at some point. So like in the crowd, there's there's two levels to the ballroom, right? And there's a set of stairs that leads up to the, the balcony and they're fighting on this the stairs like in between the two floors. So they're like, I don't know. Maybe six feet up in the air. Nathan Cruz goes to suplex Damon Moser off of this balcony. But Moser fights out, super kicks him, and Cruz takes a bump off the balcony onto a bunch of set-up chairs, which I can't imagine felt good. Gnarly looking. Moser has the advantage, of course, does his little spot where he runs around the ring and drops, kick, drop, kicks, drop, kicks Cruz into more chairs. Back in the ring, Cruz, Cruz fights back, hits a, a backdrop on, onto another setup chair in the ring, beats on Moser, some more chair shots. Moser fights back, hits him with a crazy chair shot to the back and then one to the face. So they are kicking the hell out of each other in this match. Moser at some point pulls out a toolbox, which I guess was a calling card of the faceless, which is a callback to their previous faction. Which is the whole reason we're fighting, so I do like that bit of storytelling here. Uh, Moser DDT's Cruz on the toolbox. Moser hits Cruz with a coast-to-coast 
with the chair in front of his face, which is very impressive. But Cruz is able to kick out of that, fights back, locks in a cloverleaf. Moser gets to the ropes, but Nathan Cruz doesn't care because it's no DQ. Again, it's more subtle elements of storytelling here. Cruz gets rolled up, kicks out. Cruz hits Moser with a chair to the face, gives him a little receipt for the previous one. And then Cruz goes to the toolbox. What does he pull out? A cord of some sort. Couldn't tell you what kind of cord. But um, he ties... Cruz ties Moser's wrist to the top rope with this cord. Moser fights out of it. He's still tied to the top rope, but he's able to hit a knee trembler to Nathan Cruz, which is his finishing move. But Cruz falls backwards, and Moser's still tied to the top rope, so he can't make the pin. So he's like panicking. He's like trying to get it untied. Jim Smallman ends up getting up and untying him. He's able to make the pin, but it's been too long, so it's just a two count. And then Moser sets up a table, which... British tables are more unreliable than my ex-girlfriend. There are uh, not, I don't know what you people over there put on tables, but it can't exceed 50 pounds, I guess, because these are just the most brittle pieces of shit I've ever seen in my life. We've seen it in previous TLC matches that progress has had. So, but Moser sets up Cruz on this table in the ring. The table does begin to bend, but it doesn't break. Um, but Cruz is able to is able to get up from this table, hits Moser, who's on the top rope, who's going to come off with a splash of some sort, I guess. Cruz hits the show stolen, which is like a uh, it's a fireman's carry into a slam, basically off the second rope through the table. Goes for the pin one two kick out at this point, the origins is like, fuck it. So Zach Gibson gets in. Zip ties Moser's hands behind his back and Gibson and Cruz hit Moser with a concerto and that gives Nathan Cruz the win. So brutal match. I like the storytelling elements that were embedded in within the match. Good story. It's a long term story is a fun, unique match. I mean, I liked it. So. And. So the origin gets the win. Cruz ends up on top. But I will say this. Damon Moser really got over this month. I mean, with this win over Zach Gibson in the first night and then this match with Nathan Cruz in the second night. I mean, Nathan Cruz wins. They leave. But the crowd is chanting Damon, Damon fucking Moser on his way out. So he's very successful month for Damon Moser as far as I'm concerned. And like I said, he's a relative newcomer. He was kind of undescript for a long time. He's like just another lanky, weirdly built guy, but um, kind of made a name for himself here. So we'll see what happens with him. But with that, that brings us to the Progress Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. We got the champion, Marty Skrull. He is going to be defending it the first night. We're also going to get a world title defense the second night. More on that in a second. But this first match here from night one in Manchester, Marty Skrull is defending his progress championship against Chris Hero. Woo! Hero versus villain. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? 
We got a cool little video package before the match. There's like some comic book visuals. It was very well done, but setting up, setting the stage here, kind of reviewing the past, how we've gotten here. Basically, it's the super strong style 16 from chapter 30. Chris Hero was in the tournament. Marty Skrull was not in the tournament. He's a champion. Uh, Chris Hero was in the tournament, and during one of his matches, Marty Skrull was on commentary, just kind of running down Chris Hero, berating him, saying he's just a piece of shit or whatever. And then they had a little scuffle at some point when Hero was making his way to the back. So some animosity there. And Chris Hero is just a well-known, obviously, veteran of the scene. Had a great performance in the Super Strong. One of the best matches in progress history with Mark Andrews. So he earned himself a little title match here with Marty Skrull. And um, just a... Dude, I miss Chris Hero being just a prominent you know, on my TV on a regular basis. You know what I mean? I think he's making his return sometime. I think I read that somewhere. Um, but Chris Hero is just so fun to watch, man. He is a bazooka of a human being, dude. Just, I mean, the elbows, the kicks, the forearms, the, the pile drivers. Just a guy that's just gives me everything I want from wrestling on top of his just natural charisma. And the, I mean, he just has it all, dude. The Marty Skrull, who is the, the shit heel world champion. I thought it was just a pretty um, I thought this all meshed well, really together. Uh, Hero, like in the beginning, he's out wrestling Marty Skrull because Marty's expecting all these strikes, right? But they're doing all the chain wrestling and Hero's getting the best of them. But Marty's able to finally take advantage once he's able to kind of start grabbing his fingers and his digits and his limbs and doing all the limb work and stuff that Marty's known for. Super kicks off the apron. Um, I do like this wrinkle, though. So so Marty Skrull, he, he's known for the finger snap, right? The, you know, the whole deal. So Marty does the finger snap to Hero's hand. But here's the thing, folks. You don't need your fingers to throw a rolling elbow. So he gets his finger snapped. But Hero's just like, fuck it. Rolling elbow. Um, hits a second one, two counts. And that's. A bulk of this match is just Hero hitting Marty really hard with strikes. At one point, Hero holds up Marty and he's like, the hero's going to win the story here, bitch. And fucking elbows him. Um, picks him back up. He says, hey, look in my eye. Look in my eye as I do this. And then does a, a pump kick to the face. Just eating strikes, but is unable to put Marty away. Uh, um, hero finds his way on the, on the floor at some point and Marty hits him with a super kick off the apron hero. No sells it. Marty hits him with a second one. Hero hulks up. Marty hits him with a third one. And then I think he lays him out at that point, but a lot of that, a lot of, uh, strong style elements here. We got hero with a rip cord rolling elbow with the bear with his elbow pad down for a two count. So Marty's showing a lot of resiliency here. Uh, Chris Hero at some point goes for a moonsault off the top rope, but misses. Marty leaps on top of him with a chicken wing, but Hero gets to the ropes, but Marty's able to eventually hit a gotch-style pile driver. One kick out. Hero kicks out at one. The crowd's on their feet. Hero's amped up. 
But then Marty breaks both of the f- his sets of fingers on both hands, locks in the chicken wing, and Hero passes out. So Marty Skrull retains Progress Championship against Chris Hero on night one. But awesome match. Chris Hero cuts a really passionate promo afterwards as he loves wrestling in Europe and all that stuff. And I think he will be back, I would guess. But he does go back to NXT, so I don't, I don't know if how that works with the timeline, but we'll see. But so Marty successfully defends his title in night one. But a week later, chapter 32, Marty is defending his championship again against the winner of the super strong style 16 tournament. Tommy fucking end or uh, Malachi Black, Alistair Black, however you know him. They've had a few matches in the past, so just to review the history, which we've talked about in previous episodes, but Tommy End, it was a few chapters ago, Marty Skrull had an open challenge, a non-title open challenge, to which Tommy End accepted it, and Tommy End was able to hit him with a flash KO out of nowhere and beat Marty Skrull, but it was non-title, but that earned him a world title match at the next chapter, to which Tommy End had Marty beat, but that goddamn Mikey Whiplash interfered and DQ'd Tommy End. So it cost him the championship, essentially. Tommy End fought his way through the Super Strong Style 16 tournament, won that, and earned himself another title opportunity to make wrong or to make right of that previous wrong. So lots of history here, and this is the main event of night two lots of counters i mean they've had two matches previous to so they have everything scouted it seems like the first goddamn 10 minutes of this is just like chicken wing blocked black mass blocked kick blocked and elbow blocks super kick just kidding got oh i caught it like oh it's a bunch of they have everything scouted which makes sense with the story right because they've faced each other a lot recently so um, Marty is able to hit the gotch style pile driver again, but only gets a two count this time. And then we got some <laughs> shenanigans. It's a decent match, right? I, I, of their three matches I've seen so far, this is probably number three, I would say. But that being said, there's, um, and ultimately this isn't really the story here, which we'll get to in a, in a second, but ref takes a tumble. I forget how. Who cares? But Chris Roberts, he's knocked out. Marty hits a low blow and then hits Tommy End with a gotch-style tombstone. Ref comes to one, two, kick out. But then Chris Roberts, the ref, just rolls over and goes back to sleep, I guess. So Tommy End, as the ref is sleeping, taking, taking himself a nap, Marty's, or, uh, Tommy End Locks in the dragon sleeper onto Marty Skrull. Skrull taps out, but there's no ref to be had, so it doesn't count. Tommy lets go. Tries to revive the ref. This is Skrull's opportunity to hit Tommy in with a low blow. Rolls him up. No, wouldn't you know it? Another ref's in. One, two, kick out. Paz, who is the second referee, is in there, and Marty... Marty's pissed. He shoves Paz. Paz shoves him back. And then Marty takes his umbrella and hits Paz with the butt of his umbrella to the face. Fuck off, Paz. He's out. He's dead. 
And then Marty takes his umbrella and hits Tommy End in the face with it. But Tommy no-sells it. Marty hits him a second time. Tommy End hulks up. Hits him a third time. And then locks Marty locks in the dragon sleeper with the umbrella. Now, mind you, I'm a tra- this is not like a traditional dragon. It's like he has him in the dragon sleeper, which if, if you're not familiar with what a dragon sleeper is, it's like a guillotine. He has his Tommy's face is in his armpit, essentially choking him out. Marty is has his hands clasped behind his own back and has the umbrella under the throat of Tommy N, but it's all happening behind his back. So Chris Roberts, who has now revived, can't see the umbrella behind his back and Tommy end passes out with this. So Marty gets the win here or does he because Smallman who's ringside, he's watching this all happening. Like, no, no, turn his fucking music. <laughs> Marty's music playing. He's like, turn his fucking music off. What is that in your hands? And then Marty has the umbrella. He drops it. He's like, oh no, I was just, it was raining. So the match gets restarted. Tommy and Marty goes over. I was like, all right, I'm like, I'm a suplex. Oh, Tommy N hits him with a brain buster. Goes to the top rope, double stomp, picks him up, black mass kick. One, two, kick out. Suck me sideways. That was a fucking crazy false finish. Tommy N then gets two chairs. He's like, okay, I guess it's no DQ now. We're just using umbrellas. He sets up two chairs in the ring next to each other to make a bed of chair goes to, I guess, brain buster Marty onto these chairs, but the lights go out again. This is how Tommy end was cost his previous match when the lights went out and then they came back on and then Mikey whiplash was in the ring. But this time the lights go out, the lights come back on and there's nobody there. It was just the lights. Maybe, maybe it was just a malfunction in the lights. Maybe I don't know, but (laughs) This distracts Tommy because obviously he's very gun shy. He's, he's had many interferences in the past after these lights out deals. But the lights come back on and Marty's able to roll up Tommy End, who was distracted, rolls him up, feed on the ropes and gets the fucking win. So Marty gets a win. Another cheeky win. Tommy End is screwed out of the championship once again. And uh, man, it's funny, like current day. I mean, that's the whole House of Black thing, right? The lights go out, they come back on and they're in the ring. So it's fun. It's for a man who now utilizes this gimmick for his own self. It's he's he sure was fucked over by it a lot in his career. But maybe that's maybe that's why he does it now. I don't know. Um, But Tommy's pissed, of course. The ref, he's like, doesn't even let the ref hand him the title. (laughs) He just he's pissed and he gives Marty another black mass. Knocks him out cold in the middle of the ring. Tommy's pissed. He leaves. He walks to the stage. He stands on the stage. And then, and then, Pastor William Ever comes out. Bill Ever, some may say, who won the Natural Progression Series a few months ago and is awarded... Through winning that, he is awarded a progress championship match whenever he wants, seemingly 
cashing in into the bank of money. Pastor William Ever comes out. Crowd goes banana, dude. All everybody's on their feet. The music plays. Pastor and Tommy N come eye to eye. And Tommy's like, go get him. William Ever storms to the ring. Tells Jim Smallman, I want my title shot right now. Smallman, who has just seen Marty Skrull cheat his way to several victories, now is like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. World title match. Marty Skrull defending against Pastor William Ever. Bell rings. Marty comes to clothesline from heaven. And you know what? I am just going to play the audio of this. Heavyweight champion, Pastor William Ever, the first ever pro Joe trained champion. They're an in-house trained guy, new to wrestling, beats Marty Skrull to become the new world champion. <laughs> Holy shit. By the way, he's the third natural progression series winner. This is the first time a title shot was ever cashed in like this. So... There wasn't like a precedent set before this. So it just made it all the more surprising. And like I played the audio. It was just a crazy moment. I've never seen a more rabid audience like in a good way. Right. Um, awesome moment. Very surprising. And now Bill Evers, our world champion. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But man. Great stuff. Great stuff. What a way to end it, huh? Close line from heaven. We believe, they say. We believe. But uh, yeah, I mean that that brings June of 2016 to a close for progress. What I mean, it's been a it's been a ride. <laughs> you know, lots have happened. Lots lots of stuff has happened. Um, but it was just a joy to watch, and hopefully it was a joy to it was a joy to uh, listen to. So, but that brings it to a close, everybody. Uh, we got chapter 33 coming up next. I believe I took a glance at the card. Uh. Pastor William Ever is going to be defending against Marty Skrull in a proper match. He also got the, the war war machine versus the London riots. Uh, Will Ospreay is going to be coming back, taking on Mark Haskins in a number one contender match, which should be fun. And uh, lots of other tomfoolery happening, Atlas stuff, all that stuff. So keep an eye out for that. And I think that's all I got for you. Follow me at Apron Bump.
on all the social medias. If you if you've enjoyed this, if you're watching on YouTube, give her a like, leave a comment. If you're listening on an audio, how about you give Daddy a five star review? Maybe leave a leave a review, perhaps if you would like to, or just share this with a friend, share it with your mother, share it with uh, your therapist, because odds are you have one if you're listening to me. But I'll love you. I'll leave you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. It's been a fun time. Love you all. Appreciate the support. Big smooches all around. Have yourself a blessed day. All hail our new world champion. I'm hard. Yeah. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, not kids. Let's get it started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Ship you off the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me.